Welcome to the Legacy Nashville Podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. Praise God. Can we give God some glory right now? Can we give God some praise? God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. God is good. Amen. God's goodness never fails. God's goodness is not too short for you. And I heard the Lord say this morning to tell the church and every person here, you are not the exception to his goodness, to his grace or his mercy. You are not the exception. There's nothing he can't heal and there's nothing he don't want to forgive with you, for you. Amen. All right. Well, you may be seated. Thank you. Such a good day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you, when I walked out and it was cooler, I had an extra spice in my step. Now, where I'm from in Texas, this is about as cold as it needs to get. All right, Lord. And I'm not kidding either. I checked the degrees before I said that, and I was like 58. Yeah, San Antonio's got their scarves out. We got our scarves and our Uggs. Um, but it's good. It's a good day, amen. You know, coming uh, to the house today, I, I, was, um, I was just thinking about how beautiful this community is and how beautiful it is to be in a community. And I just want to invite you today, if you're here, if you're coming back to church, if you're new to church, if this is your first time in three years, if this is your first time in seven years, if this is your 700th time, find your community here. Find your community of believers here because we're not alone in this life and we don't got to do this thing alone, amen. Well, as many of you know, my husband Seth has an extra big mansion being built for him in heaven for being at home with the five women that he is to lead in this lifetime, our four beautiful little women and myself. And you know, the, a couple weekends ago, we were with some very dear friends of ours and we were reminiscing and chatting and talking and uh, they were talking about, we were, I don't know, we were just telling plans. It just came apart in the story. And everybody started laughing. They were like, y'all do a lot of things on y'all's day off. Y'all shove a lot of things. And Seth started talking about, yeah, well, that's Michelle. She's the engine. She's engine. And I'm like, why are you always calling me the engine? And he's like, because you make sure if whether there's seven things or 37 things, we're all going to do it and somebody's going to have a smile on their face. And I'm like, that's right. That's what we're going to do because that's what I like to do in life. So Seth likes to call me the engine and thank God for Seth because he helps me for making a lot of wrecks and chaos in our life. But I wanted to start off today by telling, we were remembering the story of how we moved here to Tennessee. Because like I said, I'm from San Antonio, Texas. We're from San Antonio, Texas. And seven years ago when we were moving here, you know, we were telling this story again. And he was talking about how Mama Michelle will just push, she'll push, she'll push. And she'll go, no, we got to do it. We got to do it. We have to do something. We have to do something. Anybody else out there like that? I'm like, we have to do something. We can't just sit around for a long time. And so we were trying to decide whether to move out of state or to go back home to San Antonio. And at the time we were in Fort Worth. And so we moved back with my parents because we were trying to wait to see where the Lord would open up a job for Seth. And it was not happening in San Antonio. And when I tell you it was not happening, I'm talking after 30-something applications, not one single callback. So it was becoming very clear, I can be a little stubborn, it was becoming very clear that the Lord was saying, 
not right now, not here. And so I said, okay, we had talked about Colorado. We talked about Arizona. We talked about Tennessee. And I said, all right, let's try Tennessee. Let's go. And Seth was like, I don't know, babe. I don't know. I don't know. And I said, you have to, you have to. And I did my thing and I was like, get your stuff ready. Go drive. We didn't have the money for the drive. We didn't have the money for the groceries. And Lord knows how that little car made it all the way to Tennessee and back. But he was on that trip. And I said, go baby, go just find it. Just see what we got to do. See what we got. I'll get everybody ready. I'll do it. I'll do it. He calls me on the second day and goes, I got interviewed and I got a job and I found a little rent house all in one day. And I'm on the under the phone and I was like, hold on. I didn't know it was actually going to happen. I'm not ready. <laughs> I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. But that's how I am from the very first time. Like even our engagement story, Lord bless my husband. I'm telling you, y'all bless my husband when y'all see him. So our engagement story is even like that. I, and we were dating for like almost a year and that was, that was a little too long for me. So I got with the Lord and I was like, Lord, I need to know if this man is going to ask me to marry him or not. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little impatient. And so I went to the Lord and I was like, I got two weeks, God. I'm going to fast and pray for two weeks. And if he doesn't ask me to marry him by the end of two weeks, prepare our hearts to part ways. Because I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to keep us from your best. You know, all that stuff you learn about when you're single. I was trying to be a good steward of it. But in my heart, I was like, that man better marry me. And so I was like, I don't know what he's going to do. On the last day of that second week fast, we went out on a date. And I was nervous. I, I said yes to the date because I was like, we're gonna, I'm going to have to tell him. I'm going to have to tell him what the Lord, what I was going to the Lord with. And that it's time that we part ways. And so I was really nervous. <laughs> And we're up there, we go to our spot and he's like super artsy and creative and he's being poetic and he's being all beautiful and all the words that are coming out of his mouth. And all I can think of is like, just get to your point. Cause I got to tell you, we got to break up. Cause the Lord's spot, like I asked, and this is what we're going to do. And I turn around cause I'm just kind of looking like this, trying to distract myself. And I turn around and he's on his knee and he's going to ask me to marry him. And I was like, well, bless the Lord. That's such a testimony. And, and it's, it's amazing. And we're excited. The next morning I wake up and I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm ready. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because now I got to say bye to my family. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do because what I realized was I spend a lot of my time in my life doing something and pushing stuff and crying out for this one thing to come to fruition. And what I found out was that as much as I was crying out for things to come to fruition, I was found not ready for it. And so what was tested at that time was, Michelle, do you believe what you're crying out for then? I have given you what you're asking for and I have found you not ready for it. And so the question the Lord has for us today is, will you be found getting ready for him? And that is the title of today's message. Be found getting ready. You know, at the top of this year, our senior pastor, Pastor Lyle, bless him and his wife. They'll be back with us next weekend. God bless those two and their beautiful children. Well, at the top of this year, he gave the word of the Lord was revival. And it's coming. It's coming. And we moved to East Nashville, the neighborhood, back in February. And on my first run in East Nashville, jog. Okay, let me just be honest. Because where I'm from in Texas, you got hills. Here in East Nashville, you got like hills. And it was different. It was, it was different. I was, if anybody of you here saw me, it's okay. I'm not ashamed. I look like I was about to throw up. But on that, on that jog-ish, I was praying about the word of the Lord. Because I'm like, okay, we're in Nashville now. We're going to run these streets. We're going to walk these streets. And we're going to pray into them. 
okay? And so I was praying to the Lord about revival, revival. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And I very clearly heard him say, I will not pass you by, but be found getting ready. And so that's what the word I want to share with you today is the word of the Lord to this church and to the church. May we be found getting ready and what that looks like and what he's after. Will you stand with me, please, as we read scripture and pray into what God has to say this morning? If you have your Bibles, I encourage you today to follow along in scripture because y'all, y'all know a, a word from the Lord, some of the fruit that I have learned in my years, in my little years, is, um, is that a lot of the fruit is how much scripture is included in that word. And how much you is included. So get your Bibles ready and get ready to be flipping because this is the Lord. And when I asked him about it, he showed me a picture of someone reading their Bible with a couple of other people reading their Bible. And he said, everything you need to know, I've given you right here. Okay. So Luke chapter 12, verse 35. Be dressed for service and keep your lamps burning as though you were waiting for your master to return from the wedding feast. Then you will be ready to open the door and let him in the moment he arrives and knocks. The servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth. He himself will seat them, put on an apron, and serve them as they sit and eat. He's talking about Jesus. He's going to come and serve you and watch you eat with his apron on. But whenever he comes, he may come in the middle of the night or just before the dawn, but whenever he comes, he will reward the servants who are ready. Let's pray. Father, we want to be found getting ready according to your will and your word. And so, God, I ask for the ears that can hear to hear your word today. May we hear your voice. Come and do what only you can do and come and say what you need to say to us, Lord. Find us ready, open, and willing. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a seat. You know, I love this scripture because when the Lord revealed this to me as I was reading, it it is so true and it's so consistent with the character of Jesus. You know, he rode in on a donkey looking like the people he was there to save. And here he is depicted at the next coming looking like the people he has saved. He wants us serving. He wants us humble. And he wants to be with us. You know, he is coming back. He is coming back. Revival is coming. That prodigal you've been praying is coming. The provision that you've needed is coming. The healing that you're crying out for is coming. You see, when we pray and we supplicate unto the Lord, what we, the challenge to us is to believe what we are praying You see, when I cried out to the Lord for a job and and to provide for my husband, and Lord, this man better either be proposing or just get on the way. And when it happened, I wasn't found getting ready. I was found praying about a bunch of stuff, but my faith was holding on just in case it didn't happen. And so what the Lord is challenging, and what what I feel like what the Lord wants to do is he wants to push us past just crying out for revival, crying out for provision, crying out for that. What he wants is us to move to believing as we cry out for revival. Believe as you cry out for the healing of cancer. Believe as you cry out for that brother to come home and to love Jesus Christ as you do. It is one thing to cry out. 
It is another to believe what you're crying out for. So how, how do we steward life until then? What does it look like if that brother you're praying for comes back today or in 17 years? How do you steward the time between now and then? How do we steward our lives between now and when Jesus comes back? Because the truth is we still have to do our taxes on time. The truth is we still got to show up to work and be excellent. The truth is we still got to be kind. The truth is we still got to not lie. The truth is we still have to forgive. You have to forgive. You have to forgive. If you are a believer, you don't have a choice not to forgive. We still have to go out and tell people about the gospel. We still have to heal. We still have to raise our children well. We still have to steward our marriage well. We still have to have self-control and be found giving, patient, loving. We can't just check out just because he's not back yet. We don't get to hit cruise control and show up every couple of Sundays. Or if we miss, start missing a lot of Sundays, then we just kind of make it up by being super kind and paying for the coffees behind us in the line at Starbucks. Okay, we don't get to check out from what he's asked us to do to be found getting ready for what we're crying out for. You know, I, that verse, I won't let the rocks cry out. No, I won't be found letting other people cry out on my behalf because I was too busy checking out and hitting cruise control because I was too overwhelmed. I didn't pay attention to what he asked me to do. So I want to talk today about the ways the Lord is speaking to us about getting ready. I asked the Lord specifically. I, I was like, okay, Lord, what is it? What's that profound thing? What are the, what are the ways that we need to like marry uh, internal meeting and analytical dreams and all this sorts of stuff? And the Lord said, right here, I want to talk to you about a couple of things this morning. And the first thing he said is I want to talk to you all about the little foxes. I want to talk about little foxes that are trying to come into your yards, your vineyards, your front yard, your backyards, trying to creep inside your doors, that are trying to eat the fruit that you've been trying to gain for years. So in Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15, the verse says, catch all the foxes, those little foxes, before they ruin the vineyard of love for the grapevines are blossoming. And so if some of you are wondering, okay, I understand little foxes can be a little sneaky and all that. Listen to this. Little foxes are smaller animals that cannot reach the hanging grapes, so they gnaw the vines off at the ground, causing the out-of-reach fruit to fall with the ruined vine. Now listen, it is one thing to lose some of one season's grapes, but it is far worse to lose forever a vine that took 12 to 14 years to mature. That's what little foxes are after. They're after your maturity. They're after your faith. They're after the things that you've spent all your time with the Lord trying to be with him in. And see, I think sometimes we think, yeah, those, those dang little foxes, they're after my little fruit. They're not after your fruit. They're after the vine that has matured you. So what, can, what, what are we talking about? The little foxes that spoil the vineyards, they can also represent sins such as jealousy, pride, and impurity, sexual impurity. These are the little foxes that spoil your whole vineyard. It's the sins of your spirit 
that hinder the fruit of the spirit in your life. God wants to take care of the foxes that are trying to sneak their way into your life. And I want us to look at Luke chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. I'm encouraging y'all to actually use your Bible, so I'm going to use it too. I'll do it. Back here, back here. See, y'all got time. Let me hear those Bibles. Oh, I grew up Baptist, and I used to love hearing the little... I loved it. Luke chapter 12, verse 31 through 33. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, this is Jesus. So this is the time in the New Testament when Jesus is out doing his thing. He's miracling. He's healing. He's talking to everybody. He's just doing the Jesus thing that he was meant to do. Okay. At that time, some Pharisees said to him, get away from here if you want to live. Herod Antipas wants to kill you. Jesus replied, go and tell that little fox. This is the same Jesus that defends you from the enemy that tries to come to wreck you. He says, go and tell that little fox that I will keep on casting out demons, healing people today and tomorrow and the third day. I will accomplish my purpose. Yes, today, tomorrow, and the next day, I must proceed on my way for it wouldn't do for a prophet of God to be killed except in Jerusalem. Don't tell me. He can't do it. He says he will. Amen. And so foxes in the Bible are really those things that are talked about pretty negatively. I mean, there's one way to interpret it, and that's the way he means it. They're sly. They're cunning. They come in when you least expect it, to try to get what matters. You know, I heard this testimony of a young girl when she was in elementary school, and and she went to her mom and started telling her, I'll be playing, and I'll be doing stuff, and all of a sudden, I'll just have these really weird thoughts, and they make me feel really weird. And the mom was like, what's going on? And she was like, I just have these thoughts of, of, like, girls with girls, and, like, I don't know what's going on know what's happening but it just comes out of nowhere and you know what the testimony of how these parents handled this was my god bless them but it was that you know the parents didn't come right out and be like that's a demon you know or they didn't come right out and talk about it as though well let's let's just see what happens no you know what they did they went and got the little foxes that were trying to come at their daughter and they took to scripture. And so the testimony goes that they actually started hearing after a couple of nights of praying and praying for their daughter. And there were other things that were coming at her as well. And as they were praying one night, they heard this screeching sound and they live kind of out in the country. And so they were accustomed to sounds, but they knew this was very different. And it was a, it was an awful screeching that kept everybody up at night. Okay. And what happened was the next morning, the daughter and the mom went out and they saw their farm cat facing off with a fox. There are not foxes in their area. And the mom asked, because she was like, okay, I know what the word says. We've been going through it. We know the truth. You know, all this sorts of stuff, but I want to see, you know. And they even, they, they just weren't, there's just not a common sight. And so they were praying and, and doing everything they needed to do. And uh, the fox was still around. They would hear it every night. And so they knew, they knew we've got to take care of the fox. 
And so the dad went around and as he was on a walk, just praying and declaring the truth and going at it and taking care of what was going on, he saw the fox in the yard. And he, took, he commanded, he said, you must go in the name of Jesus. And he started praying after it. And the mom the next morning wakes up and she sees the, the farm cat and the fox again, just kind of staring off. And she tells the Lord, I will know that this is done when the fox is gone in the spiritual and in the natural. And as soon as she said it, the farm cat lunged at the fox and it was gone. And this is years later. The fox never returned. The little girls never had those thoughts. And in fact, she testifies to it as a time when she learned how to talk to God and her parents the most. And I tell that story for one reason. Do something with what God tells you in this Bible. Do something with it and go after the things that are keeping you from the fullness of God. It's one thing to be aware of it. It's one thing to know. But awareness without transformation is just arrogance. You have to do something with all the stuff you're learning and all the stuff you know. Because if you're not doing anything with it, you're just being puffed up with knowledge. And that family did something with what they learned about. And they took care of it. And the Lord wants to invite you today to take care of the little foxes. And that can look like different ways. It can be spiritual. Because the enemy is real and demons are real. And they do come to attack, to kill, to destroy, to steal. They do. And the Lord wants your surrender. And he can heal and deal with things far better than you ever could. But sometimes... We get to the maturity where we can discern when it's an attack of the enemy and when we need to own our sinful habits that contribute to negative cycles in our life. Because not everything is the devil. I don't know how I got high this weekend. The enemy just attacked me. Well, I don't know how I ended up in bed with her. That must have just been an attack. Okay, hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, let me get a little bit more real. This is my own. I don't know how I went over budget. I mean, that just must be attacking me. I don't know how I went over budget. Honey, I don't know. I don't know. If Starbucks needs its own line item in your Ramsey budget, it might be time to start owning what you're doing to contribute to some things. Dealing with little foxes can happen in a couple different ways. But we're going to deal with them, right? And so I asked the Lord, I continue to ask, and I was like, what else? You know, Lord, and the Lord said, the full armor of God, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20. So I want you to turn there with me. And it was very clear. I think some of us have gotten so used to what the full armor of God is that we think it's just the second grade Sunday school craft that they bring home. And the Lord's like, no, no, I want my church to revisit how powerful this is. I want my church to understand what is really happening. So I'm going to read it. Y'all okay? The whole armor of God, verse 10, a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. 
Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Here we go. Stand your ground. Put on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith and to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on your salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Look at verse 18. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. It's pretty clear how often we're supposed to be praying. It is pretty clear. There is no, as long as you're at church, when you're at the prayer room, when you're at dinner party, when you're in Sunday school, shout out to Baptist, okay? Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, stay awake, and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. And look at that. Look at what he puts in there, verse 19. Oh, also pray for me too. How many times can we be found praying and supplicating on the behalf of someone else? Get our eyes off of our own self and be praying for somebody else. Because I believe that half the time we actually need to be praying on behalf of others. That is what will get you outside of what feels like the most depressing context you've ever been in. Praying for others reminds you you're not alone. Praying for others remind your spirit that the spirit that lives within you, that the power that lives within you, it ain't just for you. It's for them too. The full armor of God, I tell you what, that helmet of salvation will remind you what you were saved from. And if you can remind yourself every day, you're going to be okay. The belt of truth will keep you from being so stressed out that your insides eat themselves with cortisol. You know what I found out? There's actually a very thin lining before this entire gut system. It kind of protects the stomach. And what it is and what I read was fascinating was that that actually doesn't hardly ever get injured, um, that thin lining, unless the hormone cortisol, there's enough of it that can pierce through it and then it starts to affect your entire gut. Where did God say to put the truth around your belt? right here. The shoes of peace will guide you to his voice every time, making sure you're ready to testify and evangelize. The shield of faith helps you to defend against the enemy's arrows and distractions from what God has called you to do right now. The sword of the spirit will give you discernment for the day and age. We need discernment for what is happening right now because people are calling bad good and good bad. People are calling stuff moral when it ain't moral. People are calling stuff biblical when it's not biblical. People are pulling out crystals saying this is part of the Holy Spirit healing and it's not part of the Holy Spirit healing. People are trying to muddy the word of God and you have to be equipped to discern the days and the time that we're in and you're not going to be able to do it unless you know the word of God. The sword of the spirit will give you discernment for the day and age. Pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert, stay awake, and be persistent. Be persistent. He's inviting you to be persistent. Don't check out just because revival didn't come yet. Don't check out just because he's not come back yet. 
be found getting ready so that when it happens, you're not like, hold on, hold on. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't actually, hold on, hold on. We have to know who he is and who he says we are. Now, if you're not getting ready, you risk missing or operating outside of your anointing. And I do believe that there is an Esther anointing being sent out right now. I do believe that there is an Esther anointing that the Lord is wanting to lay on the church. He's readying Esther's. Who are, who are those intercessors that have been getting ready and will have an opportunity to approach people in power? Influence, influencers for the warning and exposing of the truth. Those who approach the Lord and know his timing first, they release the word in God's timing and they aren't quick to release a prophetic word for selfish reasons. But how do you get there? How do you get to that maturity? You read this and you spend time with him. You've got to know his voice. And I, we will hear often, how do I know his voice? Our second born right now has had the most beautiful struggle with trying to find out if it's his voice or hers. She's 10. It is the most beautiful struggle I've ever been able to witness. And she cries. And she cries. And the Lord has turned faithful because in Revival Kids, she's hearing. She's hearing. And she's releasing. And she's releasing. You know, when Seth calls me on the phone and he goes, hey, babe, I don't go, who is this? He says, babe, this is Seth. I don't go, Seth, who? I know my honey's voice. I've spent enough time with him to know his hey, babe. When you spend enough time with him, you'll know his hey, child. Hey, child. You'll know the difference between his voice and everybody else's. So the Esther anointing, I'm going to sum up the book of Esther-ish, first part. And I had my husband look over it so that I would know that it wasn't as wordy as it needed to be. So basically in the book of Esther, there's this king. He's a little crazy. So this king decides to dethrone his queen because she refused him when he was drunk. Okay. First off, shout out to the queen. Good job. She refused him because he was so drunk. So he wakes up and he's like, mm -mm, kick her out. I don't want a queen like that. Y'all read the Old Testament. It is so juicy. It is so juicy. And so get, get what he does. Then he asks for all the virgins in all the country to come be presented to him because he wants to pick one. I'm telling y'all, it is general hospital, days of our lives, and everything all rolled into one. But it's holy because it's his story. Okay. He picks Esther. He needs a new queen. He picks Esther. Esther is actually a Jew, but nobody knows this. And her uncle who adopted her, Mordecai, says, no, no, don't tell anybody. I believe you need to be in there. Don't tell anybody. Don't disqualify yourself. She obeys. So the king has this advisor named Haman. Okay? Haman is puffed up from being the right-hand guy. He is like, I'm the king himself because I'm his bestie for the restie. And so Haman hates Mordecai. Here's why he hates Mordecai. Everywhere that this uh, Haman went, everyone just knelt, just bowed down. You do what you need to do because Haman's just as big as the king. Well, every time he would approach Mordecai, because Mordecai had a job, you know, around the city, around the walls. And every time he'd approach Mordecai, Mordecai wouldn't move. He'd be like, no, I'm okay. And Haman was like, no, you're not okay. 
You live here. We provide everything for you. You bow down to me. And Mordecai is saying, no, I'm okay. So every time Haman would come around, and everyone would see this, that Mordecai would not submit. So Haman was just brewing hate and anger against Mordecai. Well, here's what happens. Mordecai actually overhears of this plot to kill the king amongst some other people. Tells Esther. Esther's now the queen, so she goes and tells the king. And the king's like, oh, they saved my life. Who is this person? She tells him, it's Mordecai. It's my uncle. It's Mordecai. And he goes, that's it. We're going to adorn Mordecai. He saved my life. I love him. Give him everything. The best horse, the best area. I want him paraded around. Well, guess what the best of everything belonged to? It all belonged to Haman. So Haman had to parade around Mordecai on top of his horse for the whole city to see. Haman was, when I say angry, y'all, again, y'all should read it. He goes back home twice and whines. The, um, the word of God does not depict it any less than whining. I can't believe it. He's so awful. What am I supposed to do? And his wife and his friends are like, yeah. They're like trauma bonding with the guy. They're like, yeah, we hate him too. We should just all kill him. Like no one's talking any sense. So he gets furious, finds out he's Jewish, and it's like, you know what? We just, need to, we just need to get rid of all the Jews. I don't even care about just Mordecai anymore. I want all of them gone. So he writes an edict, a law, that he got signed by the king to put an act one year later from that day to kill all the Jews a year later. Mordecai finds out about this and goes, Esther, you got to do something. You got to save us. You're the queen. Esther goes, I can't. And I can't imagine what was going through that woman's head. Why me? Not me. I have nothing to do with this. I just did what you asked. I can't. And then she actually explains, I can't. You know what happens to people who go to him when they're not asked. And I'm not supposed to go to him for 30 days. And Mordecai, one of the most quoted scriptures, looks at her and says, but what if you're here for such a time as this? What if you're here for right now? What if, this, what if it's this that it's all been for? And look at her response She says, go and get everybody and fast with me for three days. Fast with me for three days because I'm going to go ahead and do this. And if I die, I die. I show the book. She saves the Jews. And you know what? Yes, it's about her doing it and obeying and getting in there. But I actually want us to focus on something. The sovereignty of God removed Queen Vashti. It was only the sovereignty of God that opened up a position that was probably never supposed to be reopened. The sovereignty of God removed Vashti from a position of reign. Will you be found getting yourself ready for six months, for a year, for however long it takes so that when the sovereignty of God opens the door for you to operate in your calling outside of what anyone thinks is possible, will you be ready? Now, was Esther perfectly ready? Nope, she was scared, she was worried, she was anxious. It's not that she was perfectly ready, but she was found getting ready because she fasted and she prayed to be ready when the day came. Will you be found getting ready? Because the sovereignty of God will open the door. It will come. Revival will come. 
Will we be ready for the revival in the streets, for all the new believers who have all the questions in the world about how Jesus died and what it looks like and what's the last supper? Will we be ready to answer their questions? Will we be ready to baptize every soul that's ready to proclaim him publicly? Will we be ready to give Sunday school class? Will you be ready in your home to disciple someone that wants to know more about Jesus Christ and they're gonna come to you for it? Because revival's coming and Jesus is coming back. Will we be found gathering those that don't know him yet into the house of God? Or will we be found comfortable in our seat? The Esther anointing is not a light one. It is one that requires work and diligence and fasting and praying and maturity to discern when the time is to release what God has you to uncover and expose. So what does it look like? What does it look like to be getting ready? Well, in James chapter one, verse 22, it's pretty clear. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourself. Don't just read this thing and don't do it. That's what he's saying. Don't just read it. It's not just a good book. Do it. Know what the Bible says and pick it as the truth. You have to choose this one as the truth, not a truth. The whole world's trying to tell you, discover your truth. Discover your truth. I don't want a truth. I want the truth. This is the truth. I actually don't want your truth. I want his Spend time with the Father so you get to know his voice. Um, one of our dinner party hosts, Adrian White. Anybody know Adrian White? If you don't know him, you should. Him and his beautiful wife, Courtney White. He was talking to my husband the other night, and my husband told me this, and it was... It was just so good. Adrian will drop truth bombs and revelatory bombs just like nobody's business. And he never knows what he's, he never knows actually what he's doing, which is all, it makes it all the more beautiful. And so he told, he told my husband, they were having a little conversation and he, had, he told my husband, there are a lot of ways to hear God's voice, but the bread and butter is the still small voice. If you're running a million miles an hour, there's a lot of distractions and you can't hear it. So you got to slow down and take time every day to be quiet and learn how to hear his still, small voice. We will hear him. He'll drop no matter what we're doing. But being found getting ready means we take some time. We actually own our time with him. It doesn't just happen because we want that. Be in, or be in community with other believers. Stay awake in prayer and supplication. Repent. Forgive. We don't have an option not to forgive. If we're believers, we don't have an option not to. The gift of forgiveness is not ours to hoard. It is ours to share. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. What does getting ready look like? Always be full of the joy in the Lord. I say it again. Rejoice. Give thanks. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. 
Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I'm going to jump down to verse 9. It says, keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I want you to turn to Colossians chapter three. Listen, y'all, I told y'all it's full of scripture because we want to know what does it look like? What do I got to do? Do I got to go see another therapist? Do I got to add a second therapist to my weekly routine? Do I got to add another, you know, another reg- vitamin regimen to my thing? Do I got to add? 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 Listen, maybe, but I can tell you one thing. Don't add nothing before you add more of this. Okay. Don't add anything more before you add more of his word. It will help you discern what to add that will bring you readiness rather than what you're adding that robs you more of your time. And then we wonder why we're so busy. Colossians 3, it's the whole chapter. Guys, I'm telling you, it's, it's in here. Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians, Hebrews 11 talks about the faith of the many men. The subheading of Colossians 3 is called living the new life. Since you have been raised to the new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. He's giving us actually some mental health exercises. Think about the things of heaven. Thank him, rejoice him. You know, and there are studies that correlate with the release of stress hormones by 21 to 23% if you just say thank you. They're not religious studies. They're just studies because people want to know, does our body respond to what we do? Yes, because God is an amazing creator and he does everything on purpose. So there are studies that show a person's emotional response and hormonal response and stress hormone response that when they say thank you, 21 to 23% cortisol is gone. Well, it's in scripture. Think about the things of heaven. I say to you, rejoice, be found praising, thanking him. Verse 13, Colossians 3, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive them. Verse 16, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives to you. Awareness without transformation is just arrogance. You have to teach and counsel others with what wisdom he's giving to you. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. What does it look like to be found getting ready? It looks like these things. Now, as we close, I want to go back to the top because there's a couple of things that the Lord really wants to deal with today. Being found getting ready so that you're not caught off guard or busying yourself with other things because it just hasn't happened yet. He wants you to deal with the little foxes. It can look like sexual immorality. It can look like pride. It can look like jealousy. 
whatever it is that is trying to come into your life to rob you from the fullness of what he has. He wants to deal with that today. And he wants to bless that Esther anointing that's going out. There's some of you right now that you're pitter-pattering. You're like, I know, I just don't know who to, who, who to say. And it can be on a personal level. It can be on a familial level. And it can be on a large level. But the Lord is with you. And he is calling the church to a time when we will have to stand up more publicly than we ever have before for the truth. We will have to stand up against people who call wrong right. And so we want to pray over you today. Will you stand with me, please? And we're just going to have a couple of minutes to just minister and to pray. If you're on the altar team, or if you can, I want you to come up and get ready to pray for people. If you're on staff and you're in the room, I want you to come up and be ready to pray for people. I wanna invite you to the altar right now in the safety of God's presence. And I want you to come to the Lord and pray and just ask him to help you deal with those little foxes that are trying to come at you. And if you need to just even come to his presence and just get to know his voice a little more, I wanna invite you up here again today. For those that feel that call to be the intercessor that is readying for when to release the word of the Lord. Come and receive prayer because listen, we're human. It can feel lonely and it can feel shaming and it can feel embarrassing. But if we're anything, we're the church. If we're anything, let us be the church today and pray with you, not over you or for you because none of us really understand what any of that's like. Let us pray with you. So I'd like for everyone to bow their heads and pray with me. And if that's you, just make your way to the altar and just pray. You don't even have to pray with somebody. You can just come and meet with the Lord. Father, we are so thankful. We are so thankful that your goodness is everlasting. God, I thank you that there is not one soul here today that is the exception to your goodness. I thank you that you want to meet every one of your sons and daughters today. I thank you that you want us to choose to believe that what we call for, what we pray about, and what we offer in supplication, that we choose to believe it will actually happen so that when it does, we are found praising the name of Jesus. We are found giving you the glory. Instead of going, hold on, hold on, I didn't know you were actually going to pour out revival. Hold on, hold on, I didn't know you were actually going to save my brother. Hold on, I didn't know you were actually going to provide those bills. I'm not ready. God, I pray that today we're found ready. And I thank you, Jesus, that we're not alone. I thank you, Father, that the word of God tells us over and over and over, you're not alone. The church is a community unto one another for the fellowship of believers so that we are ready to testify and evangelize and bring people home. 
Father, we pray blessing over every household here. God, I ask for an open door of heaven, of provision in every way that supersedes expectations over the homes today. And God, I declare right now that the Esther anointing that you're pouring out into your church will be received and will land in a place that we are found nurturing it until you call it to fruition, God. Jesus, we love you. And we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise to the one true King, to the Lord of Lords. We thank you, Jesus. And all his people say, amen, amen, amen. Tune in to the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at LegacyNashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.